You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, we're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter number 2. I'd ask you to continue praying for Angie. You know, she got that good uh, uh, report last week, and uh, there was another test that had to be done yesterday, and uh, there's a little bit of concern. And uh, so we're just asking folks to pray. The same God that worked a miracle for us last week uh, can work another miracle for us tomorrow. Amen. And uh, so if you'd help us pray about that, that'd be a real uh, blessing to us. Amen. And then pray as I head out, as Pastor said, to Indianapolis uh, this weekend uh, that God would really work. You know, a missionary, you know, our, our mission field's Africa, but you have the times of deputation, you have the furlough. And we minister during those times. And man, it's my prayer that God raises up a lot of men and women uh, to go around the world. And uh, so help us pray that way. And I really appreciate you mentioning that uh, because, man, I'm begging God. We need a generation of folks that will say, Lord, hear my, send me. Amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter number 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. I'm going to try to uh, do more teaching Uh, And we're going to slip into a little preaching, I'm sure, from time to time. But really, uh, I want to give some good doctrinal truth out here this evening uh, and just take the time to really explain uh, this. So the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And I just want to stop and point out there, That he's not necessarily saying they are newborn babes. Every Christian ought to have that attitude. We all should have a hunger for the word of God at that just like a baby desires milk. Amen. We should all desire the word of God. We should never lose that place or that hunger for the things of God. And so he says in verse 3, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Then watch verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Now God used that word there, okay? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. I could say amen right there. (laughs) He is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Then watch again verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, watch the wording, a royal priesthood. Amen. Amen. We're a holy priesthood. We're a royal priesthood. That's what God said. A peculiar people, a holy nation, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Boy, that's some good stuff right there. So let's open up in prayer and, uh, and get into the service tonight. And Peter, where are you at? I just saw you. In the back there, talk to you after the service Sunday night. Uh, we, we need to get together right after the service. I want to introduce you to the pastor and uh, some things there. Really good to have you back tonight, man. Glad you're here. All right. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. 
I thank you for those that are here. And Lord, I pray that as we just take the time tonight to try to slow up just a bit and, and really delve into this doctrine of the priesthood of the believer, uh, Lord, that thy spirit would become really the divine teacher working through us, uh, Lord, and, and teaching us. And, the may, and may we have ears to hear what the spirit would say to the church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, this evening, I want to speak on the priesthood of the believer. Uh, when pastor talked to me this morning, you know, we teach Baptist distinctives. And I thought, yeah, that, that won't be any problem at all uh, because we've taught it so many times. And, and um, I had some other things we're trying to get ready to leave and just some things was getting done. And I got done early and I said, well, let me just go back and start looking at this. And you know how it is. You start opening the word of God, looking at stuff. You're like, well, let me just write down some notes here. And the next thing you know, uh, we have a message here. And so I'll try not to keep you past midnight. Amen. Uh, but, uh, 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 but I will tell you this. I normally like to alliterate my messages. I like to have everything so people remember it. So I remember it better. But it's not alliterated tonight. So I apologize for that. You're just going to have to listen more closely and try to remember those notes and write them down. Okay. Uh, but, but uh, you know, we're talking tonight about what I would call Baptist distinctives. The priesthood of the believers of Baptist distinctive. And so maybe you're here tonight and you say, I've never heard of that term Baptist distinctives. So let me just back up and say that when you came in tonight, there was a big big, big rock sign out when you were walking or when you were driving into the parking lot and said Eastside Baptist Church. And, and that name Baptist, it is not a space filler. It's not like, it's, you know, we're not, we're not Eastside Church. We're Eastside Baptist Church. And, and you say, well, does that mean something? It means a whole lot. Amen, all right? And uh, uh, if, if it had said Eastside, and I'm not picking on anybody else, I'm just saying if it had said Eastside Church of God, then you would have known probably a little bit about what they believe because of that name Church of God. If it had said Eastside Catholic Church, you would have known what they believed because it said Eastside Catholic. If it said Eastside whatever synagogue, you would have said that's a Jewish congregation. If it had said Eastside uh, whatever, man, I just had a brain blank, whatever Muslims call their churches, amen. Thank you, Eastside Mosque. You would have said, yep, I know what they believe. Eastside Baptist Church, those names mean something, all right? And, and when we look at that word Baptist, I want to make it clear, none of us in this church, none of us that are independent Baptist, we don't hold the name Baptist above the word of God, but we are Baptist because of what the Bible teaches. I believe that Bible doctrine is Baptist doctrine. Amen. If I found something else closer to the Bible, I'd be there tomorrow. I wouldn't even wait till tomorrow. Amen. Uh, I, I'm just telling you I would. Uh, and so, so, so it means something. So when we use the phrase, them Baptist distinctives, uh, we mean those doctrines that really make us Baptist. Amen. Uh, we mean, uh, you know, that, uh, there's a set of new Testament doctrines that quite frankly, no other church, no, no other so-called church, no other group of believers have ever really completely believed historically or, or are holding to presently. Some of those Baptist distinctives, some of those New Testament doctrines, other churches believe, but you, I, I mean, I've been looking for years and I have a hard time finding a church that, that's not an independent Baptist church that believes this entire set of doctrines that we find as we study the Baptist distinctives. Amen. And so we're just going to focus on that one uh, here this evening. But if you turned, and I'm sure pastors have already done this probably several times, but if you turn the word Baptist into an acrostic, so if we took the first letter B-A-P-T-I-S-T-S, -S, if I spelled it correctly, uh, we, we just take those letters and it just makes a natural outline. Uh, B, uh, the Bible is the sole authority for our faith and practice. Amen. 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 
You might as well say amen. We don't have a, a catechism somewhere that's our authority for faith and practice. We have the good old-fashioned B-I-B-L-E. Amen. I believe what I believe because of what this book teaches. This book is my manual for life. This book teaches me about everything in life and death, every issue related to life and death, and frankly teaches me about what happens after, after I pass out of this life and, and, and go into the next. Amen. And for those that are lost, they don't go into life. They go into eternal death. This Bible teaches all of that. Amen. We believe that. We believe the Bible is the sole authority. That right there cuts a lot of other churches out right there because we believe the Bible is the sole authority. Not just the final authority, but the sole authority. Uh, when I was raised in, uh, over in Pennsylvania, uh, I was raised uh, and, and, and uh, we'd uh, have a song we'd sing about the Bible and it says something along the lines of God said it and we believe it and that settles it. Well, the fact of the matter is God said it and that settles it. Amen. Whether you believe it or not. We just choose to believe it. Amen. All right. And that, that, that's really, that, that's one of the reasons I'm a Baptist. Eh? Because I believe the Bible is the sole authority. And then, and then the A there, it stands for the autonomy of the local church. Amen. And we certainly, uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're new to a Baptist church, we don't have a hierarchy uh, that we answer to. We don't have a Vatican out there somewhere. We don't have a headquarters. We don't send our tithes and offerings to some other organization who then decides, uh, you know, you know, where that's going to go and all that. This is a self-governing body of believers. Amen. In other words, when you come to this church, participate in this church, you choose, amen, uh, what, uh, you know, the ministries you're going to have in this church. You choose when you're going to meet, where you're going to meet. You choose when we're going to go on visitation, where we're going to go. Choose the missionaries we support, the building we're going to be in. I mean, we, uh, th those are, the, those are, and by the way, we don't vote on doctrine in Baptist churches. Amen. We believe doctrine, amen. We don't have to vote on it. We just believe it, amen, all right? And so, but we certainly believe in the autonomy of the local church. We believe in the priest of the believer. I won't talk about that just yet because I'm gonna get there in just a minute, all right? Uh, that's the P. And then, and, and then the T, there's two offices. We believe in the office of the bishop or the pastor, uh, whichever word you prefer to use there, speaking of two different roles of the same office. Uh, and then we believe in the deacon, amen. Uh, that's New Testament offices in a local church, the pastor and the deacon. Then we believe, and it's one of my favorite ones, priesthood of the believers, one of my favorites, and the next one right behind it is individual soul liberty, amen. amen. I like that I, individual soul, and I wanted to, I thought, man, Lord, I could preach a little bit on the priesthood and jump, I said, no, pastor, ask me about the priesthood of the believer, I'll just stay with that, amen. All right, uh, but, then, but, then, but then the S, and there's two S's, and so I may have them inverted from the way you do, I don't know, I just wrote it down as I was thinking of it, but separation of church and state, amen. Uh, we as Baptists, we as Bible believers believe the New Testament teaches that we're to be separate. We're not talking about separation of God and state, which is what our current administration uh, it really wants, amen. We don't believe in separation of God and state, but we don't believe that the church dictates to the state. We don't believe the state dictates to the church, amen. We believe God's church is God's church, amen. Not the government's church. Say amen right there. Amen. This is God's church. We're not controlled. We're not owned and operated by the state of South Dakota or the United States of America. We're owned and operated by the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'll build my church. Amen. And so we believe in separation of church and state. We believe in two ordinances. Amen. We don't believe in sacraments. If you're here and you say, well, I, I like to go to a church where they have sacraments. Well, just show it to me in the Bible and I'd go with it. Amen. But a sacrament carries the idea of that which imparts grace. I don't believe that baptism imparts grace. I don't believe the Lord's table imparts grace. I don't. I don't. Other churches do. So-called churches, we don't believe that. We believe in the Lord's table. We believe baptism. Those are the two ordinances. Now, there's some good brethren down in the southeast part of the country, and they believe that foot washing is an ordinance. Amen? 
And that's wonderful. They can practice it, eh? but, but, but we don't believe that's an ordinance of the local church. Amen. We, we don't see that. Uh, you know, we see that in the culture during the Gospels, but we don't see that taught from Romans on through Jude. We don't see that taught. Amen. And certainly, if you ever do it, there's, there, it, it, it sure does produce some humility in you. Amen. But it's not an ordinance of the church, all right? And then, and then, uh, and then uh, that, that second S there, uh, we believed in a saved church membership. Amen. You don't, you say, well, I was born in this church. Now dying, you didn't become a member of this church because you got born in, in the family. And your family's a member of this church, therefore you're a member of the church. God doesn't have grandchildren. Amen. If you're here and a member of this church, you came in on a testimony of being saved by the grace of God. And if you've never been saved, you need to get it taken care of tonight. Amen. People all the time call me over at Falls International and they say, and it's a real big thing with the immigrants. They're like, I want to come and I want to become a full member of your church. And I'm like, well, uh, so what are you asking me? How do I become a full member? And I said, well, the first thing you got to do is get saved. And they said, what is that? <laughs> I said, well, that's a good question. That's a good starting point. Amen. We want you to be a member of the church, but you got to be saved to be a member of the church. Amen. All right, for us to bring you in. And so there's so many more things could be said, but let's get into our text and back on that P, the priesthood of the believer, all right? And so the Bible said, I want to read two of those verses again, verse five and nine. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. You ought, to, you ought to underline that. A holy, not just a priesthood, but a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, what Peter's telling us here under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost is that if you're saved, we have been built up as a spiritual house. We've been built. The foundation is Jesus Christ, but we're being built on that foundation and we are an holy priesthood and our purpose is to offer up sacrifices unto God by Jesus Christ. Then verse nine again, he comes back and says, but ye are a chosen generation and holy nation, a peculiar people, and I missed the phrase, a royal priesthood that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, all right? So what I wanna do quickly here this evening is, is maybe just uh, take on the subject in a little different manner uh, than what I would normally, uh, uh, you know, because I'd normally teach through this in a Bible college setting and, and, and kind of teach through it quickly, but I really wanna go back and, and our first point tonight is just simply the Old Testament priest because I want us to understand what a priest is. I want us to understand what the priesthood is. So, and, and, and boy, you could talk about the Old Testament priest literally until midnight, and we're not going to, all right? Because I do want to go home and get some sleep tonight, all right? Uh, but uh, without getting into too much detail, in the Old Testament, God ordained what we would call and what he would call the Levitical priesthood uh, there in Old Testament times. Now, we know there was a Melchizedek priesthood. Pastor preached about that just a few weeks ago in one of his messages because I was sitting at home backsliding. No, I wasn't backsliding. Amen. I was sitting at home with Angie. Amen. And we was watching the services and he's talking about uh, uh, after the order of Melchizedek. All right. Uh, or maybe that was Brother Bernie. I can't remember. One of y'all did. Amen. I watched several of the services. But listen, there, there was the Melchizedek priesthood. There's the Levitical priesthood. Now, this, this Levitical priesthood, they come from a man named Levi, Levi was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. 
Jacob being renamed Israel, one of the 12 sons of Israel. And so this family becomes a tribe in the nation of Israel. And God said, I'm going to take this family, Levi, and there's reasons for that that we don't have time to get into tonight, okay? Because originally God meant for the entire nation to be a priesthood, amen. But this particular family, they're chosen by God, they become a priesthood for the nation, all right? And this is the Old Testament priesthood. Now, God raises up Moses and Aaron then to deliver uh, Israel out of Egypt and God goes to the descendants of Levi, which Moses and Aaron were both, and calls on Aaron and Aaron and his family, his sons Eleazar, Phinehas, they are, they are a part of the Levitical priesthood. Now, the Old Testament priest was a mediator. You say, what do you mean by that? He, he literally went between God and man. His job as a priest, I want you to listen closely, we'll come back to this later. His job was to represent the holiness of God to the nation. He was representing God to the nation. All right? And then he represented the nation to God. So that made him a go-between. He was a priest. He was representing the holy God to Jehovah God to Israel. But at the same time, he was bringing in sacrifices on behalf of the sinful nation of Israel and, and bringing those sacrifices, making blood sacrifices so that they could come into the presence of a holy God. Therefore, he was a go-between. He was a mediator. You could not go into the Old Testament tabernacle on your own with the lamb and bring a blood offering to the Lord. It had to come through a priest. Right. That's just how it was. You, you dare not enter in on your own and you, not even the priest, not even the regular priest went back into the Holy of Holies, amen. They just didn't do that. The high priest went back there once a year. Now, now this is important for you and I to understand. The priesthood, God was serious about the priesthood. God wasn't playing games with the priesthood. In fact, if you weren't in the tribe of Levi, you couldn't be a part of the priesthood. And there was a king by the name of Saul, Israel's first king. And remember, he went, he was supposed to go to war and he called Samuel, who was the priest. And Samuel's supposed to come along with Saul and they're gonna offer sacrifices. He's gonna mediate for Saul and the nation of Israel before they go into this battle. And remember, Samuel was late. And after, after I think a day or so, you can go back and check me out, read the text. King Saul thought that the heart of the people's melting. They're starting to leave. Man, the battle's still to be fought. The enemy's out there. We need to secure the blessings of God. The man of God's not here. The priest isn't here. We're just going to go ahead. And Saul went into the office of the priesthood and decided to do what wasn't his job. And God took that personal. God was so serious about that that he told Saul, you rejected me. And because you rejected me, I'm rejecting your family. And you're not going to have your children and grandchildren sit on the throne of Israel. God's pretty serious about the priesthood. I'll give you another example uh, over, I believe it's first or second Chronicles chapter number 26. I get the, the first and seconds mixed up. You can check me out. I think it's second. But there's a king by the name of Uzziah who, who put a censer in his hand. He got mad at God's men. He got mad at the prophets. He got mad at the priests. And he took a censer in his hand. And, and, and he went to offer incense to God. And he wasn't a part of the priest. He was the king. He's the most powerful person in the nation. And man, I'm telling you, the priest, they backed up like, what are you doing? And he put his hand out. And God struck him with leprosy. And they thrust him out. God's serious about the priesthood. Now, that's 2 Chronicles. I have it written here. All right, there it is, 2 Chronicles, chapter number 26. Now, again, 
The primary job then of the priest was to be a mediator. He was to be a go-between. He stood between the sinful people and the holy God. And, and watch the wording. He offered up sacrifices. We'll come back to that. He offered up sacrifices on behalf of the people to atone. Remember the Old Testament priests, they could never take away the sins. All they could do was atone for the sins. They would just cover the sins for another day, for another month. The high priest would go in once a year for another year. They would just constantly be bringing sacrifices, all right? But to atone for the sins of the people so that the people would be acceptable in the sight of God as they came to worship God. And again, without being too detailed, he offered up various sacrifices. There's many different sacrifices for various people and various purposes. And I'd love to preach on all that tonight, but I can't. You don't have the time and I don't either, amen, all right? The Old Testament priesthood had many priests, listen, Many priests out of that family, out of the tribe of Levi, but there's only one high priest. And you, and you got to remember that, okay? You got to remember that. Now, the high priest would literally go into the Holy of Holies once a year and only once. And he did not go into the Holy of Holies without blood. If he went in without blood, he wouldn't come out alive. I had a pastor not so far from here years ago visiting with me, not so far from this church right now visiting me and he was selling vacuums years ago when I was up, I was maybe 21 years old up, up, up in the, uh, the Selby Hoven area. And he got talking about the high priest out of the old Testament. And he had made a comment. And I can't remember how the whole conversation went, but he made a comment. Oh, you one of those guys that believes in the literal blood of Christ. And I said, Oh yeah, I do. I'm one of those guys. Yeah, I do. We, we, we believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, nah, he said, he said, see, you guys get it all mixed up. He said, it's, it's the death of Jesus that matters. It's not the blood. It's the death of Jesus. And I took him over to Hebrews 10. I said, let me ask you a question. Did that verse right there, did it say when the high priest went in, it, it specifically says not without a dead animal. Is that what it said? He said, it's, it's synonymous blood and dead. I said, I guarantee you, they didn't sprinkle the things in the back there with a dead animal. They had to sprinkle it with blood. Amen. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Amen. I, I, we, we, we are not those that believe in a bloodless salvation. Amen. We believe, and, and people say, well, that's a bloody religion. Call it what you want to. You'll believe in the blood of Christ or you can't get into his heaven. Amen. You get washed in the blood of Christ or you can't go to heaven. Amen. If you've not been washed in the blood of Christ, you get that taken care of tonight. Amen. Now listen, that high priest had gone once a year and only once. He'd bring the blood of a sacrifice and he'd sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Now, if you understood the tabernacle and the temple, they'd have this place, the outer court where folks would come into. There'd be a big old uh, altar out there when they come in for the, the, the burnt offerings. And then beyond that, there was a, uh, a laver where they could uh, get washed up. And there's, boy, there's a lot of preaching to be done there. Then they'd come into the, the, what's called the holy place. And you had the table of showbread and you had the, uh, the candle uh, stand and you had the altar of incense. But there was a big veil right at that point. See, the priests could come and they could minister about the holy things, but they couldn't go beyond the veil. The, the ordinary people couldn't come on, the, especially a woman, was not allowed. You say, well, is God anti-woman? I'm just telling you what God said. Take it up with him, amen? He didn't want a woman coming into the tabernacle of the temple. He did not. And, and only certain men could come in. And then only the priest could do the priestly duties. God's pretty serious about all that. Read it in your Bible, amen? And so here, 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 here they are, but the priest had a limitation. They could only come to where that veil was. And that was the end of the line for them, except for that high priest. And you say, why? Because on the other side of that veil, there was what was called the Ark of the Covenant. And on the inside of the Ark of the Covenant, there's what's called the Ten Commandments or the Law of Moses. But thank God, 
on top of the Ark of the Covenant, covering the law, covering the Ten Commandments, was what was called the mercy seat. Amen. You say, what's so important about the mercy seat? That's where the presence of God was. Amen. And God sat on the Ark of the Covenant. When the Shekinah glory of God come down, buddy, it came right down there and sat on the mercy seat. And you say, what's important about that? Well, when that high priest come back, he had to put blood on top of that mercy seat. And boy, there's such significance there is because it's blood that covers the breaking of the law. It's the blood of Christ that covers over that broken law. Those commandments, they've been broken. If you're here tonight and not saved, you've broken the commandments of God. And you say, well, I've only broken one or two. If I give you a pencil and I say, don't break it, does it matter if you break it one time or 10 times? You still broke it. And God told us not to break his law. Don't matter if you broke one or you broke 10, you still broke it. And the wages of sin is death. And it's separation from God for eternity. But God never wanted people to be separated from him for eternity. And so God went about to making a plan where man could be redeemed. And in the Old Testament, God illustrated the plan that was in place already from eternity past. God illustrated it through the tabernacle and the priesthood and the high priest and the sacrificial system and the law of God being covered by the mercy seat, amen, where blood was put on it to atone for the sins of the people. Well, that's the Old Testament. And over the course of 1,500 years, Brother Austin, who knows how many sheep were killed and how much blood was shed and turtle doves and pigeons and bulls and goats and every day. I mean, it was bloody. I mean, you go to the tabernacle, it was a bloody place. I mean, I mean, they shed blood. I mean, talking about large animals being killed every day, daily, daily. You see, how do you know it was daily? Because Hebrews says, and those priests would stand daily offering sacrifices which could never take away sins. Every day, thousands and tens of thousands over the years and hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of animals being killed and blood being shed over and over every morning, getting up and doing the same thing over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. All the priests working under the high priest offering tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of sacrifices for 1,500 years. Just real quickly, turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Man, I don't have the time to get into this, but just, just watch a couple of these verses here. Hebrews chapter number 10. Are y'all still awake? Yes, sir. Amen. All right. It's, it's Wednesday night. And I know you've worked all day and you want to go home and go to sleep after you eat. Amen. But just, hey, stay with me. All right. Stay with me. There, there's some good truth here. The Bible said for the law, having a shadow of good things to come. You know, when, when you and I see a shadow, Brother Bernie, that's uh, always the sun on an object and you see the shadow behind, but the law was a foreshadow. Amen. The shadow was ahead of the substance. Amen. And so the Bible said here, uh, it was a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things uh, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. In other words, if that sacrificial system, Brother Gabe, if that could have taken away sins, if that had got perfect, they wouldn't have had to keep offering. But they had to keep offering over and over again. And the Bible says here in verse 3, but in those sacrifices there's remembrance again made of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Watch that, take away. Gone forever, okay, take away. Wherefore, when he cometh, that's Jesus Christ, into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. You mean for 1,500 years, these priests offered oftentimes the same sacrifices which could never take away sin, and God had no pleasure. No, he didn't. He had no pleasure. It atoned, it covered but God did not take pleasure in the death of that animal. God did not take pleasure in the blood of that animal. It, it, it satisfied his wrath right. against sin. 
for people, foreshadowing the day when Jesus Christ would come. Now, let's, let's, you know the story. 2,000 years ago, really tonight, uh, if you believe like I do that Christ was crucified on Wednesday, I cannot get, I can't get three days and three nights between Friday afternoon and Sunday morning. I, I've tried and tried and that my, 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 it just doesn't work on my calculator. Amen, all right? But 2,000 years ago today, Jesus became the great, you say, I have to wait a minute. I thought you were talking about the priesthood of the believer. I am, we're getting there, okay? This introduction, the message will go really fast, I promise. All right, now, watch this. He became the great high priest and offered up himself as the sacrifice. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter number two, verse 17, the Bible called him a merciful and faithful high priest. In Hebrews chapter three, verse number one, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And Hebrews 4 called him a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. And this great high priest, he came to this earth. He was born through the womb of a virgin named Mary. He lived for 33 years, never sinned one time. John the Baptist saw him. John's preaching to a Jewish congregation that knew all about the sacrificial system, knew all about the priesthood. They understood that. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus in John 1, 29, he said, behold, in other words, stop, look at that man right there, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And those Jews knew what he was saying. They knew what he was saying. They knew he was identifying him as the Messiah, as the Redeemer, as the Lamb, that one that would come and be sacrificed in our place. The high priest, the high priest, the great high priest comes to offer himself as the final sacrifice. Why? Not just to atone for sin. Uh, he came, John said, to take away the sin of the world. I just got to stop because I know for a fact there's unsaved people here tonight. I've talked to at least one of you after the service the other night. Amen. You could get saved tonight. The, the great high priest has shed his blood for your sins. All that blood's already been shed for you. And you could get saved by his grace tonight and have that sin washed away and have that guilt off your mind. Amen. You could get saved tonight. Why wouldn't you get saved? If I was you, I wouldn't even wait for the invitation. I'd just come down. Amen. I'm just telling you. I, would, I, I, I wouldn't take a chance dying before the service got over. I'm telling you the truth. Amen. Listen. Listen. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter number seven, I'm talking about that high priest. Wherefore, verse 25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That's what a priest does. He makes intercession. For such an high priest became us who is holy. Watch that. He's holy. That's why we're supposed to be holy. Amen. Harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens who needeth not as those high priests, the Old Testament, to offer up, there's those words again, to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once. Hallelujah, Brother Chad. Once. Let me just say this, finish reading the verse when he offered up himself. Amen. This high priest, great high priest, offered up himself as the sacrifice to God once for all men, for all sin, for all time, forever. Amen. You might be here and you say, well, I go down to my church and we have confessionals and we have priests and we have this and that and they can make me good feel. Uh, they can make me feel good feel. They can make me feel good for a week. Amen. Can I tell you, man, you get Jesus Christ in your heart. You get the blood of Jesus Christ covering your sin. You partake of Jesus Christ. You taste and see he's good. He'll save you once for all and forever. Amen. You could have walked in here a sinner tonight and you could walk out of here a saint 
on your way to heaven, amen? Because of what our high priest did for you at Calvary when he offered up himself 2,000 years ago today for you and me, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. So listen, while Christ was dying on Calvary, while the great high priest was offering up himself as a sacrifice for our sins, remember that, that law that had a shadow of things to come? Remember that Old Testament priest that we was talking about? Remember that tabernacle, that temple that they worshiped in? Remember that big old veil I told you about that was separating the holy of holies where the law of God that had been broken by men and they'd have to bring in that, that lamb blood, that animal sacrifice blood and sprinkle it on that mercy seat to assuage his, I mean, you know what that big veil said? Brother Kenna, if they would have had a sign on that veil, it would have said, keep out. Because an Old Testament priest could only go so far. And I'll tell you, you had to have the Old Testament priest to mediate between you and God, but he could only take it to a part. Then the, the, then the high priest could take it a step further. He could get it from a day to a year, amen, for the whole nation, but it's still only a year. That big old veil said, keep out. But you know, when Jesus died on the cross, check me out on this. Read about it, Matthew 27, 20, uh, Matthew 27, I believe, or 26, it's in there. Amen, just go read it, all right? Listen, the Bible said when he was dying on the cross, when he said it's finished, the Bible said the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, amen. God, the finger of God, took down that barrier, took down that veil, took down that sign that said stay out, keep out. You can't come in the presence of a holy God because the holy God had made himself a sacrifice for our sins, amen. And now we could come without a veil in a building, without an Old Testament priesthood. You and I as New Testament believers saved by the grace of God, we come through the body, we come through the blood, we come through the broken body of Jesus Christ at Calvary. We come into the presence of God. We've got that mercy, amen. Amen. We've got the blood of Jesus Christ covering the broken law. We've got the blood of Jesus Christ covering our sins. And God said, I want you to understand, you're not living in the Old Testament anymore. Peter, you tell them, they're not living in the Old Testament. They don't need to bring a lamb to church. They don't need to bring a pigeon to church. They don't need to bring a turtle dove. They don't need to bring a goat. They don't need to bring a bull. Man, the lamb, the bull, the animal, the sacrifice has already been made. The blood has been shed and it's over and it's finished. Hey, when Jesus on Calvary... I'm feeling good now, amen. On Calvary, when Jesus was dying, he didn't say, it is finished, excuse me, he didn't say, I am finished, amen. Every lamb for 1,500 years, if it could have spoken, it had come to a place where it said, I am finished, amen. Every religious leader, by the way, of every other organization in the world has had to come to a place where they said, I am finished. They, they have, amen. They die, man, it's over. I mean, they've all had to say, every Old Testament priest would come to a place where it's priesthood. His course ran out. He'd have to say, I'm finished. But Jesus, when he got done, he didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it's finished, amen. Because he wasn't finished. He ever liveth as a priest to make intercession for you and I that believe and are saved by the grace of God, Amen. Hallelujah. It's finished what? The sacrificial system. It's finished what? The law of God's been kept perfectly. It's finished what? The penalty and the wrath of God that should be poured out upon sinners because they've broken the law of God. It's been met. It's demands. It's just holy demands have been met. It's finished. And all you got to do is believe it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. November of 1991, I believed it, amen. 17-year-old son of a Baptist pastor. And I'm telling you, God don't have no grandkids. I had to believe it for myself, and I did. And God saved me that night, amen. Well, what about that? So then you say, well, pastor, why, why does God call us an holy priesthood there? Why does God call us a royal priesthood? Why does God say in Revelation chapter one, the last half of verse five, he said, unto him that loved us, 
and man, this good stuff, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests. All them Old Testament priests, they take animal blood to make you right with God for a period of time. But the priest took his own blood, amen, and turned around and made you a priest, amen. What about that? To him be glory and dominion, amen. Hallelujah. That brings us to our second point, the New Testament priesthood. So in the Old Testament, remember, just keep this in your mind, and, and it's going to go fast now, I promise you, all right? They had a high priest, and they had a priesthood. Our high priest in the New Testament, guess who he is? Jesus Christ. Ain't none of us fit that qualification. Amen. All right. They, they worked under a high priest. We worked under a high priest. The great high priest. Amen. And, and, and those of us who are, if you're here and saved tonight, I'm just telling you, man, you're in. Once you're in, you're in. Amen. If you're here and you're not saved, you need to get in. Amen. You need to get in, get a part of the family, a part of this peculiar people, this holy nation, this royal priesthood, this, you don't even know what you're missing out on. Amen. Oh, look at here. So what, what does a New Testament priest do? Because this is really the priesthood of the believer. What does the New Testament, that's you and I that are saved, what do we do? Let me start by just telling you what we don't do. Because if we're going to answer what we do, we, it really, in, 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 our, in our religious culture around the world, we've got to always explain what we don't do. Number one, the doctrine of the priesthood of the believer does not require us to ever go to another man to have him intervene and intercede to God to give us forgiveness of sin. Amen. Amen. Uh, We reject any so-called church that has a priestly hierarchy and demands confession from the people. There's no way I'm confessing my sins to another man. Man, he'll blackmail me short shooting. Amen. I ain't confessing my sins to a man. I'm confessing my sins to him who loved me and washed me from my sin in his own blood. Amen. The Bible said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5, there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Amen. That right there, I believe that. that. That's why I'm not a Catholic. I'm not trying to knock I'm just saying that's why I'm a Baptist. Amen. Because I believe there's only one mediator between God and man and that's the man Christ Jesus. Amen. Oh, yes. We reject the priestly clergy. We reject the confessional booth. There might be a lot of Sunday school rooms in this church, but there ain't no confessional booths in this church. Amen. Now listen, you don't have to come to Pastor Jed after the service tonight. He's tired. Amen. You don't have to come and say, can I meet you in the confessional booth? Amen. And don't talk to me about it either. All right. (laughs) Oh yeah. The doctrine of the priest of the believer also means that we don't have to have a priest listen to interpret the word of God or to speak to God for us. Now, we do need a New Testament pastor. That's another message. We need a church. God gives the pastor for the work of the ministry, the perfecting of the saints. We know all that. But I don't have to. I can take this Bible, and I can read it for myself. Amen. Amen. Have you read yours today? I can can memorize it. I can study to show myself approved unto God. Brother Charles, I don't have to go to somebody else and say, now, now, I think this is what it says, but what do you think it really is? Well, he's 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 the pastor. He's the priest. So that's what it really says. Amen. Man, I'm going to tell you something, friend. People say, well, it's just your interpretation when you read it. No, 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 no. When I go down to the store and I see a bag of sugar and I say, well, look, I'm going to get me some sugar. And the guy next to me says, that's your interpretation. That's salt. I say, well, it says sugar on the outside. How do you know it's sugar? Because it says it's sugar. God wrote this Bible where it can be understood and you can read it for yourself. Amen. Amen. You can study it for yourself. Because you say, why? Because you're a priest. Amen. You have a right to open up the word of God. And to study this Bible to show yourself approved unto God. God will actually talk to you. 
Some of you, man, you're backslidden Baptist, amen? You say, well, I'm going to let God talk to my pastor through, through my pastor with me on Sunday morning, and that's the only time you hear from heaven. Hey, you got a good pastor. Praise God. You ought to be here three times a week listening to him preach, amen? But there's four other days out of the week. You need to be getting the good word of God, amen? You can read it for yourself, amen? Amen, amen. Well, you say, well, that's still what we're not supposed to do, but what does a priest do? Well, let me just tell you. Hebrews chapter number 10, we're already there, so just if, if you're still there, hold, hold your place right there. Verse number 19. Verse number 19, Hebrews 10, the priest of the believer. If you're, if you're saved, if you're saved, if you're part of the family of God, you're part of the household of faith, you're part of the royal priesthood, watch this. The Bible said in verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. What's the holiest? It's that, that place behind the veil. In the Old Testament, one man could go there once a year. The 1,500 years, God said, no, you have boldness. You come in there anytime you want. How? I, I said this a bit ago, but I'm reading it now. By a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Remember that veil was torn from top to bottom? His flesh was ripped by men's hands from top to bottom. The Bible said his visage was marred more than the sons of any man. And then he says, verse 21, having a high priest over the house of God. Watch verse number 22. There's our, there's our high priest. But now you and I as priests, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And I'll stop reading right there. I could keep on. But let me just say this. We can go into the presence of God by ourselves. I don't have to wait till Sunday morning to come to Eastside Baptist Church or Falls International Baptist Church and say, well, I'm in the presence of God finally. I get the presence of God every day. In fact, can I just tell you this? Brother Watson, when I leave my prayer closet in the morning, I don't mean I leave the presence of God. <laughs> I may be leaving that place where I was spending time with him without distraction, but every time I leave, he goes with me. Amen. <laughs> I just get to be in his presence all the time. Why? Because we believe in the priesthood of the believer. Amen. That's why. Because we're priests. Amen. Oh, listen. First John 1, 9. We can not only come into his presence, but we can confess our sins to God alone. After I'm saved. You say, we already covered that with the confessional. And I told you, don't go to the confessional. But you need to get on your knees. And when you've sinned, you say, well, I have never sinned since I've been saved. You're in the wrong church. Amen. Because everybody else here has. Amen. You need to find that church where nobody has. Amen. And go join it. Amen. All right. Man, I'm telling you, we're all sinners. We've fallen short of God's glory. We gotta get, I don't, I'm not going out sinning on purpose, preacher, but I'm telling you, I sin on accident all the time, amen? And so do you. Don't start popping your spiritual suspenders. You do too, amen? And when we do, we get on our knees before God. You know what the Bible says? I, I See, I don't have to, man, brother Gabe, aren't you glad every time you messed up? Did you mess up at all today or yesterday or the day before? Aren't you glad you didn't have to go call a priest? Hello, priest Jet. <laughs> I'd like to bring another lamb. I'd like to bring it down in front of Eastside Baptist Church and shed its blood because, man, I violated, I offended God again. Aren't you glad you didn't have to do that tonight? Amen. Now we just get on our knees. We don't have to get on your knees, to be honest. If you're driving down the road, you can just, right where you are, friends, you can, you can, Brother Juan, man, right in the presence of God. Amen. And, say, and you say, yeah, but preacher, you don't understand. Man, I've been saved and I keep messing up. Read the verse. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is, what's that next word? Faithful. Faithful. <laughs> that means when we fail, he doesn't. Amen. 
You say, but I've messed up 10. I keep praying about the same thing and I got to come back again and again. Keep coming back again and again. Amen. Yes. Amen. Until Amen. you're tired of coming back again and again. God ain't going to get tired of it. You're going to have to get tired of it. Amen. Because if you, if you mean it, he's going to forgive you. Amen. Yes. He's, I'm just telling you he's going to because he's faithful. And you say, well, that just don't sound right. Well, then read the next word. And just. It's justice when God says, I'm going to forgive you every time. That's, you say, well, I don't think God ought to do that. So are you holier than God? Amen. No, none of us are. I'm telling you, you're a priest. If you're saved, I'm a priest. And when I mess up, I don't have to go to a confessional. And I don't have to say, Hail Mary, praise the Lord. Amen. Or I'd be, man, I, I was the kid in school that had to write a hundred times on the chalkboard. Man, I'd be saying Hail Mary for the rest of my life. Amen. I'm glad I can just go into the presence of God because I'm a priest. I come right into his presence. I can pray. I can confess my sins. And he's faithful and he's just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me. You say, Pastor, you don't know all the unrighteousness I've done as a saved person. He does. And he said, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. Looky here. Looky here. First Peter 2.5. I've got to wrap this up. First Peter 2.5. We can go into the presence of God alone. We can confess our sins to God alone. Amen. But our text said, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. What's that next phrase? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. That's what it said. You say, what's that? What's a spiritual sacrifice? I mean, the Old Testament priest, they brought a lamb in and they offered it for a sacrifice. What's, what's my spiritual sacrifice? Let's start with Romans chapter number 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living only a priest can present only a priest can present a non-priest could not present but you and I can present amen our bodies some of you was presenting your bodies out here on Monday walking around in 58 mile an hour wind amen presenting your bodies I figured out pastor that disembodied spirits can't get visitation done and disembodied spirits can't teach Sunday school classes. Amen. Disembodied spirits can't sing in church. Disembodied spirits start singing in church. I'm leaving church. Amen. All right. You can't do it. But those of us that have bodies, we can. God said, present your body, live in sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. You see that? We're priests. We get to offer up sacrifices. We get to sanctify. That Old Testament priest, he would offer up a sacrifice to sanctify the sinner. We can offer up the sacrifice, amen, just going and confessing our sin, but we can offer up that sacrifice to be presentable to God. Sanctify yourself, amen. Yes, amen. We can do that. Why? Because I'm a priest, amen. I get to do that. Looky here. I like this one. This is probably my favorite point the whole night, all right? He said there in our text that ye should show forth the praises of of him, that ye should show forth, you're, you're a royal priesthood. Why? That ye should show forth, verse 9, that ye should show forth the praises of him. What's that mean, that ye should show forth the praises of him? Our great high priest, our sacrifice. We get to talk about our sacrifice everywhere we go. Amen. We get to talk about the Lamb of God. You say, well, what's it mean when it says we should show forth the praises of him? Well, I think, I think what it means is if I went out to a well and I wanted to get water out of the well, I'd use something called a pump. And once I start pumping and prime the pump and get it working, I've learned a lesson, brother. What's in the well comes out the pump. Amen. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
And I'm telling you, if you get saved by the grace of God, get forgiven of your sins and find out that God is faithful even after you got saved to forgive you of your sins, amen, over and over and over again, amen. And God lets you, uh, he, he uses you. He lets you be used for his glory. And when it's all said and done, he's gonna reward you for what he allowed you to do. And when it's all said and done, you get to spend eternity in heaven with him. Why wouldn't we be, uh, why wouldn't it be in our heart to be telling people, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Man, I'm telling you, man, we got, I don't, I don't think half Christians in the world understand they're priests, amen. We're to show forth, we're to present our body living sacrifice. You say, yeah, but show forth praises that you can't show me in the Bible where that's a sacrifice. I beg your pardon. I can. He, thank you, brother. Amen. And look at Hebrews chapter number 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Man, you know everywhere the apostle Paul went? He told people, I was on the road to Damascus. Amen. He started with him and he ended with Christ. Amen. And I'm telling you, if you're saved by the grace of God, man, there's more to talk about to unsaved people than the weather and the ball game and deer hunting. And I like good weather and I like a good ball game and I sure like good deer hunting, amen. But there's more to talk about than that. We have a good God give us a good savior taking us to a good heaven with the good grace of God forever, amen. I can talk about that, I like to talk about it. In fact, we don't have time to turn there, I wanted to so bad, but I put it in my notes. If you have time to read it, if you don't, don't, I'm not going to, amen. But Isaiah chapter number 12, you ought to read it when you go home. I like when people say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. God likes that because the Bible said God inhabits the praises of his people, amen. But Isaiah chapter number 12, he said, talking about Israel when they got right with God, how they would say, praise the Lord. And then, and then two verses down, he wanted them to sing, praise you the Lord, amen. That's the fruit of our lips. Hey, when it comes to, man, I, man, I'm telling you, you guys, you guys, you say, well, he fires us up when he preaches. No, 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 no. The problem is you sing before I preach and you fire me up, amen. amen. You listen to me. Man, you guys are, it's not, it's, I'm, I'm not being smart, I'm not being ugly. It's not this, I come in here on Sunday, it's not the same as it was when I first joined the church. And I'm not being smart, I'm not trying to be critical, amen. I, man, we just hurt in this church, the hospital, and helped our family. I thank God for it. But I'm telling you, I came in Sunday, and man, you guys had me fired up singing. I about sung my voice out before I ever got a chance to preach. You were singing praises to God, amen. offering the sacrifice of your lips. Why? Because you're priest. Amen. <laughs> amen. You get to offer the sacrifice. Man, I, man, if I'm a priest, I'm putting all I got into it. Amen. I'm not coming in here saying, Amazing grace. Come on. How sweet the sound. Save the wretch like me. Oh, come on. Man, what are you saved from? You say, Well, I'm afraid my voice is off tune. Make a joyful noise yeah. unto the Lord, all your lands. Yeah. If, you, if you're that bad of a noise, don't get in the choir, but just sit out here. Amen. amen. And just sing it out here. Amen. <laughs> Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all your lands, amen. And then you read down in Isaiah 12, he said to say it. You go read it, it's alliterated. He said to say it. I knew I'd get something alliterated in tonight, amen. He said to sing it. And then he said, crowd and shout, oh, inhabitants of Zion. Ain't nothing wrong every now and then with getting excited and just shouting. You say, well, people think I'm Pentecostal. They should be thinking the Pentecostals are Baptist, amen. Amen. They should have been, when Pentecost started getting all of that, now they go a little too far, right? You understand that, okay? I'm not talking about speaking in tongues, but people getting excited. That's it, man. We, it's, 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 man, it's like letting Jehovah's Witness be the only ones out there trying to reach souls with the gospel. Well, I'm not going to go witnessing because somebody think I'm a Jehovah's Witness. No, they should be saying, man, they're about to shut my door again. Amen. That's how, man, we come to church, man. We ought to be, man, we ought to be excited about being saved. Amen. 
and somebody gets saved, walks into church, amen, and he's got to get down to 32 below zero before he can fellowship with anybody. That's not the church you want to be in, amen. You want to be in a church where they're singing, where they're testifying, where they're praising God, where every now and then someone just puts their hand up and says, glory to God, amen. Why? Not because he's making a fair show of the flesh, but because he's honest. Hey, listen, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart would say, I'm drinking from a saucer because my cup has overflowed, amen. And sometimes... You get to reading the Bible, and sometimes you get to hear the preacher preaching, and you hear everybody singing, and the cup just starts overflowing. Amen. We're priests, and we get to do that. And I want to take advantage of it. Amen. I want to offer the sacrifice of my lips, Hebrews 13, 16, but to do good and to communicate not, forget not, for, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Man, there's a whole other section I could preach on and want to, but I'm not going to. I, I want to close with this, and I'm not going to, if pastor wants to have an invitation, you can do that. That's up to you. Uh, but I just feel like it's been a good teaching session tonight on the priesthood. But I want you to listen to me. I, I want you to watch this because I'd be remiss to say all that and then not finish with this. I want to remind you of the adjectives that the Lord used, that Peter used to describe the priesthood. There's requirements that go along with the priesthood. Now, you're never going to get thrust out, amen. You're saved. You're, you're, you're part of the priesthood. But God said, I want you to be an holy priesthood, amen. I want you to be a royal priesthood. Why would God say something like that? The Old Testament, you know, if you was a dwarf in the Old Testament, you couldn't be a priest. If you had a crooked back, you couldn't be a priest. There's all kinds of physical blemishes. You couldn't be a priest, well, I can't help I'm a dwarf. I can't help I have a crooked back. No matter, you can't be a priest. God wanted physical perfection with that body for that man that's to be the priest. Well, he ain't going to get that out of it. You say, well, that, you know, that, that requirement's not on us. Dwarfs can get saved, amen. Amen. Brother Ben Myers, pastoring down there where you was in Colby, amen. For the glory of God, just a small man, amen. But he's a tall man in my book. Listen, but God said, look, I, I do have some requirements in the New Testament. I have some things I want you to live up to. I just don't want you to be like, well, I'm a priest. I can go sit anytime I want to confess my sins and because he's faithful and just to forgive my sins, I can just live out. No, 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 no. He said, I want you to be a holy priesthood because you're working under the great high priest. He was holy. He was harmless. He was undefiled. He was separate from sinners. Wouldn't be bad if we didn't try to live up to that. Amen. Right. Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, a royal priesthood. Why? Why a royal priesthood? Well, until current events with Megan, Markle, and uh, the prince. There was always a standard that was held to a king's family. And that's why it's made so much news over the past week and months, because they've stepped out of the standard. But there was a standard. If you was a part of the royal family, there's things the royal family does, and there's things the royal family don't do. Yeah. Amen. There's places the royal family goes, and there's places the royal family don't go. Right. Yes, there's things the royal family says in public, and there's things they don't say. They have a way of carrying themselves. And God said, you're part of the royal priesthood. Yes, it's good. Amen. It's really good. I'm the king. I'm not just the great high priest. I'm the king of kings. And if earthly kings have a way, they want their children, their princes and princesses walking. Amen. Yeah. How much more does the king of kings say, man, I want you to be a royal priesthood. You're ambassadors from another country. You represent me. I want you to be holy because you're going to represent the holy. Hey, church, you as priests are going to represent the holiness of God to a very sinful world. Yes. Right. And then, then we come back. And I know there's one God, one mediator, but, but in the sense of praying for, we pray for them before God and say, oh, God, let them live longer. Oh, God, save them. Oh, God, save them. 
I'm glad I'm a part of the priesthood of the believers. Amen. Aren't you? Aren't you? You say, well, that's a, that's a boring doctrine. Well, call it what you want to. I kind of got excited studying it. Amen. And I hope, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Brother Jet, preacher Jet, pastor Jet, let me get it right. Come on. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.